What more can one say? This is game seven. I'm trying to be energetic, but I'm just, I was out on the pool all day yesterday and I'm completely sun, just sun out, you know, where you just, you're in the sun for too long and everything's fried. I know we've been saying that we're tired a lot lately, but I work construction, so I'm always outside in the heat and I think it's uh, going to be an all summer thing. How you been handling it, Jordan? Uh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Um, yeah, for those of you that didn't that, that didn't tune into our last episode last week, like I, I'm back at work now as well as Keegan, um, and yeah, like it's been a it's been a shitstorm for me. Um, you know, we I've got summer camps that I'm trying to start planning for, and well, they start up tomorrow actually, and I, I had five days to plan uh, my camps, get all of my staff trained, and figure out what the hell's going on with all of the. Um, uh, you know, procedures and stuff to deal with COVID. So uh, it's, it's been a hectic, stressful week. It's, it's nice to have a day off, but uh, it's, it's tough uh, knowing that tomorrow, you know, it's back into the, the middle of the storm here. Yeah. The AC, so AC in my car broke recently and I've been too lazy to fix it or do anything about it. So I've been driving around everywhere with the windows all the way down in my car. And now it's just hot air down the back of my neck the entire time. And it's not helping, but as semi-amateurs, we got to try and act professional here. So yeah. uh, we will do our proper intro, I guess. Hello, my name is Keegan. Welcome back to the Little Hockey Podcast. We are on episode seven. I am here, as always, with my brother and co-host. Introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. It's me, Jordan. Thanks for yeah. tuning in. In case you missed it about 30 seconds ago. Um, as always, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Little Hockey Pod. Every follower is really appreciated. You know, we're starting to pick up a little bit, which is nice. You know, we've been getting a lot of people messaging us saying that they've been really enjoying everything and they really enjoyed the uh, Instagram lives that we did, even though a lot of people didn't really tune in for the Instagram and just kind of listen to the episode after. But hey, whatever works. Yeah, and that, actually on that topic, sorry, everybody, for all of the technical issues we had trying to do that. Like neither of us had... Uh, ever done an Instagram live before. And then also for whatever reason, our internet was just crapping out on us. So hopefully it didn't uh, affect the listening experience too much. And if it did, well, we'll do better next time. Yeah, we'll do our best next time. Speaking of listening experience, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher? Stitcher. and iHeartRadio. As That's well as TuneIn and Alexa. Like we're, we're on pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts now. Just trying to make it easier on everyone. And with all that stuff out of the way, we'll hop right into the talking points for this, I guess, this evening. First things first, uh, it seems like the NHL has come pretty close to determining the two hub cities, eh, Jordan? Well, yeah, from what everyone's been saying, it's 
been decided. It just hasn't been officially announced for whatever reason. I guess there's a few little, uh, who knows, I's to dot and T's to cross before they can actually come out and publicly say that the two hub cities for the NHL um, return to play plan are Edmonton and Toronto. Uh, yeah, well, what do you think about uh, the, the choice of those cities, Geeks? Well, I think any Canadian city is going better than the States at this point. Like they were looking at Vegas for a long, long time, but they recently had a huge influx of cases and it's caused a bunch of restric- restrictions on their hotels. And with Vegas, the hotels is where obviously everyone's going to stay. So it's not like that became a viable option anymore. So that had to be pulled out. Um, Toronto's had its issues, but again, it's still better than the other cities t- being talked about in the States. And Edmonton is interesting because I'm pretty sure the Edmonton mayor wasn't really too keen on the idea, but the premier was all for it. I don't yeah, know. Well, I, yeah. Jason Kenny sent out that, uh, that like tourism video about, Hey, NHL players, how about you come to Edmonton and enjoy the, uh, the Rocky mountains. And it's like, Hey, uh, Jason, do you know the uh, geography of your own fucking province? <laughs> yeah. The, the Edmonton, Rocky mountains. Edmonton is not close to the Rocky Mountains, not remotely close. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a 10-hour round trip. Well, you know what? Uh, if it solves some issues and if some uh, other players that don't know the geography fall for it, it works. You know what? I, every player gets to go and play games in Edmonton, so they all will be able to tell you, hey, yeah, I can't see any mountains when I look out of my hotel room, and that's the only way I'd get to enjoy them anyways. They're going to be in a bubble. It doesn't matter what kind of... Uh, stuff is around it doesn't matter how like amazing all of the restaurants are in whatever city or what kind of entertainment stuff there is to do these players are supposed to be in a bubble and they they can't just go out into the city and interact with everybody else because that's completely contradictory to the point of having a bubble city yeah hey come do all this tourism oh wait you're not allowed to sorry yeah like there's no sense in trying to sell the nhl or the players on uh, how great it is to visit this uh, this city or this province. Look at all of the cool tourism stuff you can do, because they're uh, ideally these players are going to be locked in their their hotel rooms with like a or like a handful of restaurants that they can go to. So, yeah the the pitch behind Edmonton as the city like it or that that tourism video anyways it was it was weird and it was dumb but like Edmonton got it anyways just out of uh, um, the fact that it seems like uh, Alberta has been dealing with uh, or hasn't been hit very hard or like relatively hard um, with uh, COVID cases. So I don't really know what the explanation behind that is. Um, no, I, the thing that I always wonder is do people sometimes forget that we're still in a pandemic and that it's still yeah, just getting worse? For sure. Like here in Ottawa on, on Canada Day, did you see the number of people that were supposedly at Mooney's Bay? It was like 5,000 people were the estimates. Were out at Mooney's Bay, a popular beach here in Ottawa. Yeah. And it's like, come on. like We've been yelling and screaming at, at like Florida and uh, uh, California and Toronto for all of the people that are going out to parks and beaches in those cities. And then all of a sudden, it, like, it comes here and, yeah, like, yeah, the, there's always going to be people that act irresponsibly like that, but yeah, I don't know. Well, Alex and I, Alex, my girlfriend, when we were 
out near Cornwall in a little in her hometown called Long Sioux. They have the Long Sioux Parkway there, which is a pretty decent sized tourist attraction. It's a campground, it's a beach, and it's just a nice drive through the water and some little islands. So we were driving down there and it was friggin' packed. Alex, who's been there her entire life, she was driving and she was making comments saying like, this is the craziest she's ever seen it. She's never seen it so busy. Obviously some of it would close down. People were just driving off the road into a random grass patch in order to get to some body of water. And it was absolutely wild. Yeah, and then later that day we found out that the, um, the parkway staff actually put out a notification saying that, Hey, we're not accepting any more people to the beach. Don't come here. And we saw, park officers going to cars that were lined up on the road telling them turn around and leave like you're not getting in here go home yeah yeah it it's been crazy um yeah it, it it's it i get that it's hard to for for all of the people that have been waiting so long for summer to hit and then now it's we're finally getting this nice sunny weather and it's you know close to some holidays so everybody wants to go to the beach and stuff but you just have to take a look outside or, or at the number of people that are there and, you know, make the smart decision of this isn't a safe place to be. But uh, on the plus, on the plus side, Stanley Cup will be awarded in Canada. Yeah. That's cool. Well, that's well potentially, because they, they could still not actually play. Yeah, that's valid. Yeah. But, but yeah, in, for me, in terms of like what cities actually won, um, or or get to host these games yeah, yeah. I, I don't give a shit what cities they are it where the games are being played doesn't matter to like the average fan the the only thing no. that really gets impacted is like the broadcast camera angle um so i'm glad uh it didn't go to a city that has like a ridiculous or or a weird camera angle in their uh their arena like uh, i think calgary has a really weird one that always uh, unsettles me and same with san jose and some other places florida yeah do we know if they're only going to be playing in the nhl arenas like are they going to play in other like recreational centers or anything like that i honestly i have no idea i think in Toronto, they were talking about, yeah, games will only be played at uh, the Scotiabank Arena or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and they'll just but, have multiple games a day, obviously. Yeah, but to me, it's like you've got Rico Coliseum down the road. And if it doesn't matter how many seats there are for fans in the stadium, like, why does it matter if you're playing in an AHL building? Just just uh, repaint underneath the ice. Put the you know, generic NHL logos down in both rinks. And then you've got two sheets of ice you can use instead of tearing the shit out of one of them. Like every, every day there's supposed to be like three games that are played in the same arena. By the middle of the second game, that ice is going to be unusable. So I, I don't, I don't get it, especially in like late July and August in Canada. Toronto also has Maple Leaf Gardens, right? That's still an operational rink for Ryerson University. It is, yeah. That so, I guess that could potentially be a, another one as well. I'm not sure what the official name of it is called. Yeah, but and then on top of that, there's the uh, the Mastercard Center where they have their practice rink. So Toronto's pretty well set up with a bunch of rinks that teams can, at the very least, practice on. But yeah, I, I don't see why they wouldn't use at least the the two professional hockey rinks in the city of Toronto. Um, when it comes to Edmonton, I don't. 
I don't think they've got a ton of like pro level rinks there. I know they've got um, Rexall Place, and I think uh, the WHL team out there plays out of the Rexall Place as well. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't know for sure, but that that sounds right. Yeah, so I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, yeah, where all of the games are going to be played, but from what I had heard like a month or so ago when the plan was first announced, uh, it was just going to be the NHL rinks were going to be hosting the uh, the games. So. It seems like it's it's not the strongest plan, especially when you've got a bunch of other other uh, other uh, ice ice pads available to you. But I guess they've got their own reasons for it. There's there's probably CBA related things uh, where like the dressing rooms have to meet a certain standard, and then the AHL buildings don't, and the the practice rinks don't. Well, I I don't know. All I know is that if any team's going to need an emergency goalie and they're in Toronto, David Ayers better be on speed dial. <laughs> uh, with that, uh, let's move on to the next topic here. The NHL and the NHL Player Association have been working on another collective bargaining agreement, a, C- a new CBA. We'll just be referring to that uh, just to save a bit of time and be less of a mouth, less of a mouthful. So the new CBA seems like they're working on a six-year deal, and there's a couple interesting things that would be included in that. Uh, it looks like uh, the NHL wants to go back to the Olympics in 2022 as well as 2026, and there's a few changes to the salary cap, or rather lack of changes, as well as some information about players' escrow. And Jordan, I'll let you take it away because I think you may know a bit more than I do on this. Well, yeah, like I, I just finished reading up an article on The Athletic just kind of summarizing the uh... – the proposed changes. Uh, I didn't take, uh, like, I didn't make any notes about the escrow changes because anytime anyone mentions escrow, like my eyes glaze over, I, I don't give a shit. Like <laughs> I, I understand that the players hate it because uh, it, it like they have to take a pretty significant chunk of their, their salary and, and put it in this fund. Um, but, you know, as a fan, I don't give a shit. Don't care about escrow. Um, but the, the flat salary cap for the next two seasons, it's going to stay at 81.5 million, which, you know, as a Leafs fan, I'm pretty concerned about that. That's going to be hard for the team to, uh, to go through the next, like to finish off this season and then go into the next two seasons. Uh, and in order to add, they're going to have to subtract a lot of salary. So that's, that's going to be really, really tough for the Leafs. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do to like what, what kind of creative solutions they can come up with um, in, in order to uh, work within that, that tight, tight um, restriction there. Yeah. Another thing that uh, came up was that no movement clauses and no trade clauses will now automatically move with a player when they're traded. Uh, so I, I didn't realize that this was, uh, this wasn't something that already happened, but, Currently, under, under the, uh, the current collective bargaining agreement, a, a team had to opt into, like they had to agree to that clause when they acquired a player, which doesn't make any sense to me. If, if you're acquiring... Like via trade? Yeah, yeah. So, so if... It, it was like if, if you were acquiring a player that waived their no trade clause or that their no trade clause hadn't kicked in yet, the team had to agree to honor that clause. But now that's out. It, it just automatically comes over with the player. I didn't realize that was a thing either. I, I just already assumed that it, once you sign that 
no trade or no movement clause. It just stuck with you until the end of your contract, no matter which team you're on. Yeah, exactly. But I think it was an issue with PK Subban when he was traded from Montreal to Nashville um, to Nashville. Yeah. I'm just remembering that now because I remember, um, Subban's no trade or no movement clause was going to kick in on July 1st, that off season that he was traded and he was traded a few days before it kicked in. And when he got to Nashville, Nashville opted out of the clause. So they said, yeah, we're not going to honor that. And then they, they didn't have to get his permission to trade him to New Jersey. I don't think anyways. I didn't know. I don't remember that at all. I didn't realize yeah, I, Again, I just I, remembered that, but I thought that that was kind of a unique scenario because he was, uh, or his his clause wasn't effective when he was traded. Okay, it was... But yeah, like it wasn't in effect when he was traded, sorry. Yeah, it was to be in effect. It was one yeah. of those clauses that would kick in after a certain number of years. Because yeah. um, that's, that's interesting to me. Uh, I Again, obviously it hasn't come up too often because we didn't realize that that already wasn't part of the CBA. But, but it, it's a good win for the players though, because that that's a part of a contract that they negotiated. And then if they got, if they agreed to waive their, their, uh, that clause in order to go to a different team, that's it. It's yeah. That, that was it. It was done. And then now it may not be done. Yeah. That's, it gives them a bit more security. It gives them a bit more, I guess, say in where they go, even when it comes to trading, right? Yeah. Not that every single player is going to get a no trade or a new, no move clause, but, but it's getting more and more common practice to at least give players modified no trades clause where they have a list of about 10 teams. So this, you're right. It seems like a good win for the players. It seems like it'll give them a bit more stability and say in what, what's going to happen even during a trade Yeah. as well. I think a lot of players were going to be happy because of the Olympics, right? Like not only as fans for us viewing, but as the players, there was a lot of outcry and outpour saying that they were really upset that they missed the 2018 Olympics. And now with this, all of the superstars in the league are upset because they're not going to the Olympics, but then the rest of the league that aren't going to the Olympics, like they wanted that two week vacation, right? Yeah. And that was, that was kind of like a concession uh, that they got in the last collective bargaining agreement or like these a couple of years ago when they implemented the bye week for every team. Yeah. Yeah. That was the concession the players got instead of the Olympics saying instead of a two week vacation every four years, you get one week every year. Which you could argue is a fair trade off. Yeah. Like, and it gives those star players that, uh, that break in the season too. The one issue is that a break for every team in the middle of the season means that you you play more games throughout the rest of every other week. So it, it's a compressed schedule for them, which yeah, you, it's, it seems like they're going to have to get used to over the next couple of years here. Yeah, and if you want to take a look at a compressed schedule, just look at Toronto's October or October through December, right? Where they were yeah. playing a back-to-back essentially every weekend. Yeah, it was crazy. It would be nice to see Crosby and McDavid on the same Canada team, though. That that will be a nice change. There's, you know, it's the old face of the league in Crosby and the new face of the league in McDavid finally playing together. And that I saw an article predicting the rosters for the Canadian team in 2022, and it is disgusting. Yeah, like yeah. Mitch Marner and John Tavares are fourth line players on that team, and it is just absolutely horrifying and magnificent 
at the same time, and I love it. And I would yeah, really, but, really like to see it. But then you also have to look at the U.S. team too. Like they're they're going to be pretty stacked. Like they haven't been ever potentially. Well, yeah. um, like that it, U.S. It, it, Go ahead. Yeah, in the early '90s, it was probably the the best. Um, yeah, the best grouping of American talent when they beat Canada at like the 96 Canada Cup or something. Um, they, had, I think they had like Jeremy Roenick, uh, Keith Kachuk, John LeClaire, uh, Brett, Brett Hall, it, Brian Leach, um, Mike Richter. It was crazy. Well, yeah, well, you think about it, what it would be in 2022 and you think Matthews, Eichel, the Kachuk brothers – Dylan Larkin, Brock Besser, maybe Patrick Kane if he's still kicking around and able to do what he does. He may not have the skating that he does now, but he'd probably still have the hands. Yeah. And then on defense, you think of guys like John Carlson, who's probably going to win the Norse this year. Quinn Hughes, the budding star out in Vancouver, and the pairing in Columbus with Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones. Those are big superstar talents all on the u.s as well and you could argue the u.s defense core might be a little better than canada but obviously it's still up in the air and that would be something that'd be really cool to take a look at probably in the future when things are a little more concrete but i'm sure i know as a fan i'm excited about it and i'm sure the players are getting really really pumped about it as well yeah absolutely like i i've been less interested in um uh like watching international play over the last few years um, and yeah. may, maybe getting the uh, NHL players back into the Olympics will help with that. Um, well, that was the thing, right? Like I didn't watch the Olympics in 2018. I didn't watch a single second of it because NHL was on. Yeah. Well, f- for me, actually the, the Olympics in 2018 were kind of more interesting um, just because it wasn't a foregone conclusion that Canada was going to win. Yeah. Russia won it that year, right? Uh, the Olympic athletes uh, of, Russia. Represent, of Russia or whatever. Yeah, they won it. Russia didn't win it. Yeah, because there was that whole debacle. That whole uh, massive state-organized cheating scandal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what, what else is going on in this new CBA? We've got uh, 35-year-old contracts. So players that are 35 years or older um, currently – if they sign a multi-year deal and retire before the end of that deal, um, it uh, the, their salary cap hit remains with the team until the deal expires. But they're getting rid of that now. So 35-year-olds can sign multi-year deals and retire before the end of it, and there's no penalty. Which, Good. Yeah, which is another win for the players. But And um, you, you know what, that's probably a win for a lot of GMs too, because now it, it doesn't matter what contracts they give out to older players because uh, it, it just disappears when the player retires. It gives players and GMs and teams more ability to talk when the players are in the silver of their career, right? When, yeah. they're in the, when they're no longer in their prime, they're just hanging on, maybe either looking to, maybe they've won their cups and want to take on a mentor role or they're still looking for it in the case like, say, Joe Thornton, it gives them a bit more room to move, uh, maneuver. If they retire before their years are done, do they still get that remaining money, or is that just left on the table? Yeah, I think that's left on the table. Which makes sense. I mean, you're not going to play. Yeah, like, but the thing, too, is that these players, they could still do the same thing that they're currently doing now, right, where – 
a lot of guys, if, if they've got a year or two left on a, a deal that they signed when they were over 35, the teams will just say that, oh, yeah, you know, like he's injured and he can't play, but he's not retiring yet. So, that, yeah, they're like, yeah, we'd rather pay out this guy who's not going to play than uh, have him retire. And we have this penalty. Cap, yeah, we've got this penalty cap hit uh, weighing us down. Rest in peace, Vancouver. <laughs> but yeah, and that that was I joke about that. For those who don't know, Roberto Luongo retired at the end of last season, and because he retired before a mass before the massive contract he signed with Vancouver, like what eight years ago, before that finished, he retired before it finished, and because of that, Vancouver got penalized three and a quarter million dollars for this season, next season, and the one after. Yeah. Which obviously three three and a quarter million like well, that is. I, I think that one was different. That one wasn't a thirty five plus contract. That one was a cap recapture on an illegal contract that was signed before the last um, CBA. Oh yeah, you're right. Because you're right. It, it's That's the same. Bad. It's the same thing for Shea Weber. If he retires, then Nashville gets absolutely hammered with um, uh, like a twenty million dollar cap hit. Which realistically the NHL will do some shenanigans and get around that. That was like what happened with LA and Brad Richards, right? Yes. Uh, no, not Brad, Mike Richards, Mike Richards. Yeah. Not Brad. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, yeah, they pulled some shenanigans and basically just ended. We'll, pay the, well, yeah, no, they ended the contract because he got arrested at the border with, uh, with some, some drugs or something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. Anyway, that that was a whole weird thing, unrelated to players retiring after their contract. Yeah, but and then and then one last note I had on here was the changes yep. to front loaded contracts. But you know what? That's a lot of math, and I don't care to try to fucking figure it out right now. <laughs> well, um, yeah, no, you you go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I'm just reading your note on it right now. Uh, changes to front loaded contracts of six plus years. Difference between the highest and lowest annual value cannot exceed 35%. Example, $10 million is the highest, therefore $6.5 million has to be the lowest. That Yeah, that was kind okay. of my interpretation of it. I don't know if that's like correct, but there wasn't an example or any math done in the article I read. So I, I just tried to figure out like, all right, if, yeah, if there's a 10, if a player signs like a six year deal and the highest he gets paid over that time is $10 million, I the way it was worded to me was that the lowest year uh, or the lowest salary he could make in one year is 6.5 million. And that's to avoid teams paying their players like 80 million. Obviously that's an exaggeration, but like $18 million in the first two or three years and then less than a mil for the remaining four. Yeah, exactly. And they already had some um, restrictions, some restrictions in place to, uh, to prevent that. But I, I don't know how much of a change it is. Um, now from what the rules were or currently are. And again, a lot of this is still talk and hearsay. Realistically, I haven't seen anything that's been finalized, but no, this no, is just if, something... If, if something was finalized, we would know when all of the games were starting and where. Exactly. Yeah, there, there would be a, an announcement from the league and the PA saying, yeah, we have a CBA that we've agreed to and here are the the uh, hub cities that we're playing in. So yeah, uh, until, I saw until we get that, like we're, we're all just kind of speculating on everything. 
Yeah, I saw someone mention, I forget where it was. It was this morning, pardon me, when I was looking through just my hockey Twitter and whatnot, that someone said their NHL is looking at an August 1st startup date. I don't remember who said it, and I only saw it once. So I don't know how reliable that is, but I remember seeing that and thinking that's a little more realistic than a July 10th training camp. Well, yeah, to me, an August 1st startup that sounds like they want games to start on August 1st. Which so means that it, they would the have training, to start the... The training ahead. camps would have to start now. Yeah, basically. Yeah, which they, they, they haven't quite. It's just been like um, unofficial practices because the NHL has to move into the next phase of their return to play. Um, well, they need, they need to friggin' announce where the heck they're going to play so that teams can get over there and start quarantine. Because if it's going to be in Canada, they still got to do their two-week quarantine. I, I don't know. I think that those got waived for the, the players. That's freaking ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Oh, well. Um, yeah, do you have any more on this CBA stuff? Like, it's... No, I... Even this, what we've talked about, was a little bit more than I was expecting, if yeah. I'm being honest. Like, uh, it, like it, it sucks that um, hockey hockey feels kind of different than a lot of the other sports in that no matter when the next, whenever the current collective bargaining agreement ends, we're always talking about labor negotiations just based on like there in my lifetime, there have been three lockouts. Yeah. So it, it's just the nature of the league, unfortunately, that the, the fans have to have an intricate knowledge of uh contract structure and whatever the hell escrow is in order to understand even just day-to-day things that happen in the league it's it's nuts um yeah yeah, i agree next up is uh kind of a huge change of pace uh (laughs) you noticed uh, that the senators are using some weird colors in their new marketing stuff for sends on demand what do you mean weird colors like the they're it looks like uh, they're kind of um, subtly hinting towards some kind of rebranding. Um, here, I'm going to share. I'm going to share my screen with you, and I'll show you uh, what's up, like what I'm seeing. Sure. Yeah, I All feel right. kind of bad that the Leafs fan is telling me the Sens fan about it. Yeah. But. All right. What do you see on my screen here? I see three Sens logos. Okay. So this one that I'm circling right now is the current one. And I, I suggest everybody, you go, uh, you go look up, go to the, uh, the Sens website and also pull up like a Google image of what their current logo is. Because this Sens I, logo that they have on their jerseys currently is different than the one that they're using in new marketing stuff. The, the gold color is different and it's a lot closer to the old 3D Sens logo. Yeah. So the current Sens logo has a very yellowy gold as the... Uh, Centurion's helmet and his shield whereas the old Sens logo from the mid 2000s and what Jordan is saying he's another scene in the new Sens marketing it's a lot more of a I guess a dark gold would be a good way to describe it I don't even know if it's gold it's like it's almost kind of brown brown yeah yeah yeah, slightly like here's the Sens on demand stuff okay that is a very similar color right yeah like it's it's uh, it's not as bright as uh, the gold that's on the jersey. So it, it it was just kind of an interesting thing that I saw someone point out on uh, on Twitter a few days ago, and 
I know a lot of Sens fans just from reading comments in The Athletic and other media out, outlets. A lot of Sens fans are calling for a shakeup and a, remark, and a re-imaging for the Sens. A lot, a, a lot of fans want Ottawa to go to the O logo that they use as their third jersey. Yeah, I, I constantly see people saying go back to the 2D logo. Um, yeah, that's another one I've heard. Which, like, it, it, it would be a pretty significant uh, rebrand to go back to that because the Senators base so, so much of their uh, marketing and merchandise on red that to go back to the 2D logo, like, that would be changed to black. So it's... Uh, yeah. Unless they do some major changes, um, yeah, it, it's tough to see them going to the 2D logo as the main base logo. I, I could definitely see the O as, uh, as their, their new logo going forward. So what a lot of fans want is the red jersey with the silver O. They want that to be the new official home jersey. And they yeah. want the heritage jersey that we wore. I think it was back in 2014. We wore it in a game against an outdoor game against Vancouver. It's just essentially the O logo on a like a creamy oh, yeah, white, a cream an off white. Yeah, it, that one is very nice. I like that. I, one. I that really one like that one. Um, That's what I'm my Kachuk sweater is. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the red jersey, the the one that they wore for the Centennial Classic or whatever. Um, I don't know. The, the red just looks weird to me and um, it, it doesn't look like Senator's red. It looks different and um, looks brighter. It does look a lot brighter. Maybe it's just the silver O instead of a black one. Yeah. It, I would prefer to say use the black O cause the silver O can be hard to see sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, that, that was the, uh, the visual part of this podcast. So glad you could all see it yeah. and join along with us. Yeah. For all you listening at home, I'm sure that was that was riveting listening. Uh, <laughs> so next up, uh, we've got uh, Keeks. How are you feeling one week after the draft lottery? Immediately after it happened, you were pretty uh, upset. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I want to see how you're doing after having some some time to uh, think back on it. And uh, yeah. So on on my drive home today, I had an hour and forty minute drive home coming from Alex's parents' place, and. I threw on the that episode, the bonus episode of the live reaction. And let me just say, I am nowhere near that level of angry anymore. Like I was, I was at the time, if you guys listen to that episode, you can hear me yelling conspiracy, then bloody friggin' murder. I'm not at that point anymore. Uh, I focused more on what the Sens could get rather than what other teams are going to get. And that completely changed my perspective of it. So if I look at the Sens picking three and five, to me, I see them getting a franchise-altering center and potentially a franchise-altering winger as well. I have been, I've said many times that I want Lucas Raymond. And it seems like there's a good chance they'll be available at five. I'll get into that later. The big thing is Ottawa is the team most set up in the entire NHL to quote unquote win the 2020 draft. We didn't win the lottery, but we're probably going to win the draft. And just saying that and coming to terms with it, I went from being upset at the draft lottery to frankly just being happy I know where the fuck we're picking. 
If some can, if some team like Edmonton or Pittsburgh gets Lafreniere, cool, good for them. It, I'm going to get a very good player at number five and a franchise altering player at number three. So don't care. Enjoy your prize. I'm getting two. Why should I care? Yeah, and I think I think that's a a pretty good mindset, and I imagine that's probably what a lot of Sens fans are feeling right now. I think the now the, yes, yeah, the sentiment like a, a little over a week ago was that the the Sens got screwed out of Lafreniere, which it's it's like you, you know what? No, I, I think Ottawa had around a twenty five percent chance at that first pick, but that means there was a seventy five percent chance that they wouldn't get it. Exactly, and that was it, it, yeah. It it's. It's just it's a lottery, right? Everyone everyone kind of understands that like, yeah, there's a there's a decent chance that we could win, but there's a way better chance that we don't. Um but then, you know, it's the same thing if you've got a six forty nine ticket in your pocket, like you you're like, I'm probably not gonna win, but also at the same time, how amazing would it be if I did win? Like that would be awesome. Yeah. And then you think about how great it would be, uh, just because it's a it's you know, it's a life changing thing. And if the senators had gotten Lafreniere, that would have been a franchise altering thing. Um, it still likely will be because they're gonna. They may not get the best player in the draft, but they're gonna get two out of two the top very five, good potentially. Yeah, yeah like yeah, they, we, potentially because we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's still gonna be an incredible opportunity for the Senators to turn things around here. Um, it, it just it's too bad that um, the franchise doesn't or the the fans don't have that one name that they can just you know sit sit around thinking about for the next I don't know. Four months, five months, who knows? There is that name, actually. Well, it's it's tough to say because you don't there's no guarantee that you're gonna get any of those players, right? There's you, no you, guarantee you can you can sit around and say, like, oh, I'm so excited to get Byfield or uh, Stutzel, but it's not quite the same as being like, We are going to get Lafreniere. True. But that being said, there so this is why I started getting really excited about this draft. At the third overall pick. It actually seems not necessarily very likely, but likely that Ottawa is going to get back Byfield because one LA has not conducted any interviews with Byfield to this point, to anyone's knowledge. And two, apparently LA scouting and management have been very, not necessarily open, but they have made it clear that they are very, very high on Stutzel, which to me is, is great because here's what I imagine in my head. So during the live reaction, I said, Oh, uh, I always said that Rossi and Raymond would be the best for Ottawa. That was just a straight, that was not true. I was a heat of the moment thing I said, and that is not accurate at all. I said it was Byfield and Raymond. And now it seems like Ottawa is going to get both. Hmm. If LA goes for Stutzel at two, and Byfield's open for Ottawa, there is absolutely no excuse for Ottawa not to take him. He is a he is the young one of, if not the youngest prospect in this entire draft. He's a full year younger than Lafreniere, which a lot of people seem to forget. He's still 17 and doesn't turn 18 until late August. So he's a young guy. You could argue might need another year in development. I think he should go back to junior next year, but that's just my opinion. And he's a guy who has Malkin-like potential. It's what I see a lot of scouts comparing him to. If we could get our own Evgeny Malkin, I'm going to be pretty happy with this draft. 
Yeah, that would and be that's a, just, that would be pretty great because yeah, Malkin on any other team would be the superstar of the team, and he he does get kind of lost behind Crosby. But um, Malkin it, it, is to Crosby what Yager was to Lemieux. Yeah, as somebody who really hasn't been paying all that close attention to the the draft this year, it does seem to me like Byfield has the potential to be the guy that slides in the top five. Um, so who knows? Like Ottawa may not pick him at three but he could still be available at five is kind so, of how it seems. Cause it seems like so many scouts are low on him for some reason. It's not that they're low on Byfield; it's that they are giving a lot of praise to other players. Yeah. And all those other players are almost a full year older than him. Yeah. Which is the thing. These players are getting a bit more attention and a bit more love from scouts because they're seen as more NHL ready. Oh, Byfield okay. Byfield may actually have the highest ceiling in the entire draft. That's what I see a lot of people, a lot of scouts saying. They're saying Lafreniere is a franchise-altering winger. Byfield is the franchise-altering center. Therefore, Byfield technically has the higher potential. Then it's kind of, it's almost too bad that um, the placeholder team got the first overall pick instead of the second. Because a lot of these teams that are on the playoff bubble or potentially who were going to make the playoffs um there's less pressure on on a draft pick that's really really high jumping straight into the league so if you know if whatever placeholder team got the second overall pick instead then there wouldn't be any pressure or as much pressure on byfield to uh make the jump next season um but now with you know with la that could still be the case um because by the sounds of it they've got a pretty deep um pretty deep pool they have very deep, especially at center. They have a couple yeah. really good center prospects that are thought to make the jump next year. But yeah, if he if he were to slip to Ottawa, maybe there's a bit more pressure on the Senators to have him in the lineup to start next season, whenever that is. There isn't though, because we already have most of our centers lined up. It's going to be okay. Norris, Logan Brown, Anisimov, and Tierney. Oh yeah, but Logan Brown, like, how long is he uh, in a Senators uniform? Because by the sounds of it, he's basically just tumbled down their uh, their prospect ranking, right? He he Fans? came in a, like he came in a few years ago, and he, he was supposed to be like a Patrice Bergeron type guy. That's who they kept comparing him to, and he can't stick in the league. That's Colin White. Colin White was compared to Bergeron. Logan Brown uh, okay. was Brown was compared to Joe Thornton. Oh yeah, well he's definitely not Joe Thornton either. He's definitely not Joe Thornton. But he was compared to him because he's a big guy who's not necessarily the best skater, but has tremendous vision and playmaking. Sure, who also can't stick in the league by the looks of it. Well, his biggest thing has been injuries. And okay. I, I am very hard on Brown. I will not deny that. I think that he is the prospect we have most likely to be traded. But the organization has said multiple times that he is Ottawa's most skilled prospect. Logan Brown? Logan Brown. Oh, all right. Or center know. prospect. Okay. I don't necessarily agree with that, but, but hey, that's why they're professional scouts and I'm not. <laughs> but that being said, it's – I want Lucas Raymond so fucking bad <laughs> because he is getting compared to Mitch Marner right now as okay. your top, top right winger, top power play specialist, top playmaker in general. So if we can get Malkin and Marner in the same friggin' draft, that's like that sounds like an NHL uh, Stanley Cup potential top line. 
Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Throw Brady Kachuk, throw Brady Kachuk on the left there. Sounds awesome. Yeah. You just have to keep in mind that you have to go through the real Mitch Marner along with Austin Matthews, John Tavares, William Nylander anytime you want to try to get past the second round. That's fine. We have guys <laughs> that can match with them. I don't I like I don't think you realize that the Battle of Ontario in the next year or two is going to be a lot closer than people are giving it credit for. Oh yeah, this podcast is going to like everyone's going to have to listen to it at like one volume because we're going to be fucking screaming at each other. Oh yeah. I, oh, absolutely. And it's yeah. going to be awesome. I can't wait for it. But until then, you know what the biggest piss off for me in this draft is going to be? Who's that? It's going to be if LA chooses Byfield. Yeah. Well, again, then the consolation prize as like being in third place is that you get either Stutzel or Byfield essentially. And by the sounds of it, there's not really a wrong choice uh, apart from that. The weird kind of, um, it does seem like the the scouts or just the the media in general is down ish on Byfield. Everyone talks about how great of a player he is, but then all, there's still a lot of negative stuff that comes out about him versus like Stutzel or a lot of the other players. They they seem to spend more time talking about Byfield's flaws than anybody else. Yeah, which I have noticed as well, and I agree. When Bob McKenzie was doing his TSN top prospects list. Uh, apparently which in that he talks to 10 NHL scouts from different teams. And apparently a lot of those, a couple of those scouts had Byfield at six. Oh, wow. Which to me sounds absolutely ridiculous. If Byfield, if Byfield's birthday was a month later, a month and a, a month and a bit later, he would be in next year's draft. Oh yeah. That's and right. Eh? Just a handful of weeks. If he, yeah, if he was born, like, what is it? September 14th or 15th or something. Something would, like that. Yeah, that's the cutoff. So, yeah, you're right. He's about a month away from being in next year's draft instead. So, but yeah, and uh, if, to, if he was to be in next year's draft and he was putting up the numbers that he is right now, he would be seen as a consensus number one for next year, no question. Yeah. But it, it does kind of uh, tie into that idea of the kind of the top five picks in every draft are seen as being the most NHL ready, right? So even if he is potentially the highest ceiling player in the draft, he's not necessarily projected to jump right into an NHL roster. So it's, it's tougher to justify picking a player like that so high in the draft. In my uh, again, in, in, like, like we're, we're talking as if like the sixth overall pick is going to be like a bad player or something, which it's, it's not like, that's still a, a great opportunity to select a really, really good player, but um, it, it is just kind of that prioritization of generally the players in the top five are the players that are the closest to coming into the league. And then after that, it's those, those guys are a little bit further away. Yeah. In my opinion, the top five prospects in this draft are Lafreniere, Stutzel, Byfield, Lucas Raymond, and either Marco Rossi or Cole Perfetti. There's a lot of back and forth between who's the better pick in Perfetti and Rossi. I personally think Rossi because he's a center who put up more points. Some people say Perfetti because he is a very, very good playmaker and he's bigger because Rossi's only 5'9", right? He's a tiny, tiny, tiny. So a lot of people don't see him as being able to transition as well into the NHL. Yeah. Speaking of, if LA chooses Byfield at two, I think Ottawa should pick Rossi over Stutzel at three. Sure. Why? Because 
there is not a consensus of whether Stutzel is going to be a winger or a center in the NHL. Okay. His German DEL coach said that he sees Stutzel as an NHL center. Okay, then why'd you play him on the wing in the Dell? In the um, DEL, yeah, maybe, where- maybe just playing style is different there and different responsibilities for each uh, each position. Because in the NHL, it's kind of, they're moving away from the uh, traditional roles for each position. And it, it's basically like, yeah, that's your position at a face-off. But after that, it's, it's less important. So it, it could just be fluent. different different styles of play in the DEL versus the NHL. Could be. But it still makes me a little nervous. First and foremost, Ottawa in this draft needs to get someone with first-line center potential. That's who you draft at three. So in my opinion, first line center potential is higher in Rossi than it is Stutzel. I think Stutzel might be the more impactful player, but I think Rossi is for sure going to be the more impactful centerman. And yeah. that's, what you, that's what Ottawa needs more than anything right now. I, I would say Ottawa just has to pick whichever player they think is the best one. Take position out of it. Say, like, who is going to make the biggest impact on the team? Now, that may like their position may affect that, but I, I don't think it should be like, we're going to pick this guy over this guy because he's a because center. Because of his position. Not. Yeah. When you're that high up in the draft, or like, I think the best draft strategy in general would be take the best player that is available at the spot you're picking. Because um, go from there. Yeah, there's, there's nothing bad about having a huge stockpile of talent, even if they're all in the same position. Because... You can move players for other guys. You can you can trade players to fill other gaps. Um, the more it's, it's always, assets you have, the better. Yeah, exactly. And the more players you have that make it to the NHL, the better too. So, yeah, don't uh, don't start pigeonholing yourself based off of what position a player is. Just take whoever the, you think is the best guy. Not all that's fair, but Rossi is considered one of the better two way forwards in this draft. And one of, if not the most, NHL-ready, including Lafreniere. So that's another reason why I think he'd be a little bit better in Ottawa. Plus, he played for the Ottawa 67s in junior, so he's already familiar in the city. That shouldn't go into drafting a, a drafting decision, but it's a nice little add-on. It's a nice bonus. Plus, if we leave Stutzel to Detroit, they're 100% going to take him because they will not pass up on Stutzel because there's – Articles going around that Detroit would have picked Stutzel at one if they got it. Hmm. And with that, that would leave Lucas Raymond to Ottawa. So Ottawa would get Rossi at three and Raymond at five, which we need better right wingers because the only right winger we have with good potential is Drake Batherson and Anthony Duclair, who played on the right wing a fair bit this season. But this draft would be the perfect draft, in my opinion, if we got Byfield and Raymond. It would be a great draft if we got Rossi and Raymond. If we pick a defenseman, I'm flipping my TV. Because, <laughs> oh my God, oh my God, those defensemen in Drysdale and Sanderson, the only reason why scouts are putting them anywhere near the top 10 is because they're the best defensemen in the draft. They're not necessarily great defensemen. They're not bad ones. They... Drysdale said to be have top pairing potential, but 
they're only up there because they're the best defensemen in this draft, not because they're better defensemen than these players are forwards. And that bothers me a lot. And I hope Ottawa sees through that. Well, and it kind of seems like Ottawa's got okay depth on defense right now. And like I said, like just pick the guy that's the best that's available when you're going up to the stage. If they pick the goalie and ask her off, I will also flip my TV. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people talking about uh, that Russian goalie in the top 10 and how it's like, yeah, there's any team that uses a top 10 pick on a goalie has got to be totally insane. Yep. So potentially uh, imagine Ottawa grabs him at 13. Is that, are you all right with that? I'd be more okay with it, but I think, I don't think Ottawa needs a goalie. That's the thing. I think Hogberg has made a case for himself to be NHL ready now. I think Joey Decord has made a case for himself to be NHL ready either now or in the very, very near future. Gustafson still has a bit more to prove in the AHL, but he's starting to prove it. Uh, we got, we just signed QMJHL goalie of the year, Kevin Mandelis, to his entry-level contract because he was by far the best goalie in the queue with a 925 save percentage, which is very hard in that very high high scoring league so he's looking like he could be doing well and he's probably going to play in the echl and we have a decent goalie in i think he's in either the o or the w in mad sogard who was our 2019 second round pick right we have good like good goalie depth and good goalie potential both for the near and far future so we do not need an askarov askarov should go to a team like chicago who has kind of a goalie issue now, but has a real goalie issue for the future. Yeah. No defense, no goalies in the top 15 for Ottawa. Yeah. It it just, it's, it's become apparent that picking a goalie, even in the first round, probably not a great idea. Yeah. It's, it's hard to project where goalies go, like how, how they develop. Um, so it, it seems like that that is kind of the hardest position to project. And you, you don't want to use a top 10 pick on a player that you can't really project their development. Um, it, it's, it's tough to justify that. Um, yeah, you want proof? How many starting goalies in the NHL right now were first-round picks? Yeah, I have no idea. Do you? Uh, Tuka Rask was... Flurry was... Price was. Vasilevsky was. Those are the only ones I can think of at the top of my head. Bishop was second or third by St. Louis. Um, Anderson definitely was not a first-round pick. Hogberg was not a first-round pick. Uh, Freddie Anderson, for you guys, originally was drafted by Carolina in the sixth round, and then they didn't sign him, so he got re-entered into the draft and was selected by Anaheim in the second or third. John Gibson in Anaheim might be a first-round pick, but even – nope, he was second round. He was in the second round. Matt Murray wasn't in the first round. Two, yeah, two-time Stanley Cup winning goalie, Matt Murray wasn't picked in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, hard to project goalies, so it, it doesn't make sense to pick one in the, in the first round, especially in the top ten. Um, it, they would have to be pretty, pretty special in order to do that, and honestly, I have no idea about – what's this guy's name? Askarov. Askarov? Yeah. I don't I, I don't know his first name, but I know yeah, his last name's Askarov. Yeah. Vitaly Ask? No, it's not Vitaly. Who knows? Alexi. It's probably Alexi. 
Probably Alexi. <laughs> um, all right, moving. Uh, do, do you have anything else to say about uh, the draft or the draft lottery? I wanted to go Lafreniere to the placeholder, Stutzel to L.A., Byfield for Ottawa, Perfetti for Detroit, Raymond to Ottawa. That's what I want. All right. That's what I want. All right. Then uh, it's, it's time for our new um, week – or not weekly, uh, our new segment for every episode – we're going to play a round of the double agent game. So a reminder for those of you that uh, didn't hear our last real episode, uh, the one before um, the draft lottery, we're going to play this game that's inspired by, or sorry, adapted from Puck Soup's version of their adaptation of Doug Benson's The Leonard Malton game. Keegan is going to try to guess which uh, player I'm describing. I have a list of now 32 NHL players that have played for both the Senators and the Leafs. And Keegan's job is to try to guess which one it is based off of a series of clues that I give him. But not only does he have to guess which one it is, he has to try to bet how many clues it takes him to guess correctly. So I've got 13 clues for every single player. Um, let me just pull up my list here. I already did a random number generator to select three options for Keegan to choose from. So let's see. How likely is it looking at that I'm going to get these? Uh, right now, I'd say you have a one in three chance of getting the player. Uh, two oh. of them. Two of them. There's not a fucking chance that you're getting them. <laughs> I, I could. I could give you like their first or last name and you wouldn't guess who either of them are. Seriously? Uh, I, yeah, I have never heard of either of these guys. <laughs> oh god damn it. Yeah. So yeah, right no! now right now you've got a one in three chance. And uh yeah, your odds change pretty quickly depending on who you get. Um so yeah, so the clues I, I'm gonna start off by giving three clues to Keegan. And based off of those three clues, he has to bet how many extra clues it will take him before he guesses the correct player. So the first three clues he's going to get are the player's current age, the total number of career games they played in the NHL, and the most recent team they played for. So that could be the team they retired from or the team they're on currently. After that, he, uh, he gets the amateur team, the player's height and weight, draft position, draft team, the years they played in the NHL, combined points scored for Ottawa and Toronto, their nationality, their best season, which is difficult because it's my personal, um, uh, yeah, which season I think personally that was their best out of their career. And then he gets a choice between either their jersey number, the player wore for the Senators or the Leafs. And then finally, every team that that guy played for in the league. Uh, okay. All right. So you think you're ready, Keeks? Absolutely not, but I'm going to give it a shot anyway. All right. So your choices this week are player A, who is number 22 on my list, player B, who is number 10, and player C, who is number 2. Which one do you want? Player B. Oh, bad choice. You're not getting it. Ah, God damn it. <laughs> All right, so you picked player B, number 10. All right, here we go. Oh, yeah, fuck, you're not getting this. Not a chance in hell. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, Um, so here we go. 
Okay. First clue. This player is currently 50 years old. Shit. All right. Career games played. So his entire career, he played 89 NHL games. Oh, oh, God damn it. (laughs) And his most recent team was the Ottawa Senators. How how many clues do you think this is going to take you? (sighs) Fucking 10. Like, I'm... 89 career games and he played for Ottawa and Toronto. I have no freaking clue. If he's 50 now, yeah. then like if it's anything like last time where it's Luke Richardson who played till he was almost 40, then that means he retired in the late 2000s. And that's if if he played for that long, which we know he didn't cuz he only got 89 games played, so he pro- probably retired or went out of the NHL in the Friggin' late 90s, early 2000s. But yeah, give me all 10. <laughs> You're going to need all 10, you think? I'm going to need all 10. Like, oh, man. for sure. Yeah, like, tell you what, if we get to uh, clue number 10 and you still have no idea who this guy is, I will give you his last name and then you have to give me his first name, okay? You know what? Sure, let's do it. Th- this is how much faith you have in me, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, am, I am 100% sure you're not getting this guy. All right, perfect. Let's go. Clue number one. All right. His, uh, his amateur team, or before he made it to the NHL, was HV71 Jankoping of the Swedish Hockey League. Oh, so he's Swedish. Cool. I mean, I guess that kind of helps more than the Peterborough fucking Pete's. <laughs> um, Next clue. Height and weight. He is six foot two, 190 pounds. Oh, so he's not that big. Okay. Well, he, he is an NHL player. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. That's a very good way to describe it. Okay, next one. Uh, draft position. Picked in the eleventh round. Jesus. Two hundred and sixty-first overall. Okay, so he's definitely not going to be anyone I know. Next question, or as hint, whatever you call it. Uh, he was drafted by the Florida Panthers. So he's a Swedish player drafted by Florida in the 11th round. And he's 6'2", and he's a hockey player size. Yeah. Cool. Next. Years played. He played from 1996 to 1998. God damn it. Who's a Swedish (laughs) player? Oh, man, I'm not fucking getting this. Uh, Next one. His best year was 97, wasn't it? Um. Okay, his combined points for Ottawa and Toronto. Six. Oh my god. <laughs> he played 89 career games. Yeah, six Maybe. points for Ottawa and Toronto. Yeah. Maybe those 89 games were only with Ottawa and Toronto, but who fucking knows? All right, next one. Man, I am not getting this. Like I have no clue. This guy was playing before I was born and he retired before, like just after my first birthday. Yep. Oh, fuck off. Okay. Next. Uh, his nationality. He is Swedish. Swedish. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Next one. Right. Doesn't help whatsoever. His best season. 1996, 1997. 1997. I, Hey, I, I got that right. Yeah. And remember, yeah. 
That was his first season in the league. Was his best one. It's probably because it was his longest. Uh, next question. Um, do you want his Senators jersey number or his Leafs jersey number? Sends. Sends. Maybe that'll help. Uh, yeah, it's going to be like thirty something. Number three. Oh, cool. Uh, all right, next one. Yeah, if anybody at home guesses this player, like, oh, we'll shout you out for like the next three episodes in a row. Like, holy smokes, we'll bring you on as a guest and you can play the rest of, uh, <laughs> or you can play a round of uh, the double agent game on the show. Um, so, yeah, you just got his jersey number. Yep. Every team he played for in the league. Okay. Florida. Toronto, Ottawa. Florida, Toronto, Ottawa? Yeah. Oh, this does not fucking help at all. He's going to have some really weird name. Like, because at that time we had, I think we had Alfredson and Arvidsson at that time. I don't know if Arvidsson's Swedish, but it's a weird name. Um, Arvidsson is, in fact, Swedish. Is, okay. that, is that your guess? No, because I know he played more than 89 games. He sure he did played. play more than 89 games. <laughs> it's going to be some guy that I have never heard of, like Philip friggin' Svensson or something. Um, uh, you got neither of those names right. Oh, good. <laughs> um, I've got absolutely nothing. The only Swedes I can think of playing on Ottawa in that in 97 98 because you said that was the last year is alfredson all the other swedes who and arvidson apparently if he played for ottawa at that time i have no fucking clue give me his last name i'll try to guess his first his last name is uh gustafson gustafson yeah what's a swedish name like Daniel, Henrik. Um, you know what? Yeah, Henrik Gustafsson. Uh, no, it is not Henrik Gustafsson. Okay, fuck. What's his first name? It is Per Gustafsson. P-E-R. Like Per Lindholm? No, that's Par. Oh, this that's is Par Lindholm. P-R, yeah, P-E-R Gustafsson. Okay. I have Nine- never heard of this guy in my life. And yeah, he, he played like, oh, I've, I've got to... Uh, Oh, I see him. So I, I put on the, I I googled the roster, and then when I hit the link, I quickly clicked off it so that I couldn't read it. I see him. There are a few Swedes who played for Ottawa on that team, eh? Like I'm just looking at them right now. There was, there was Alfredson. There was Magnus Arvidsson, or Arvidsson. Sorry. Uh, Andreas Dackel and Per, Gust- per Gustafsson. There he is. Okay. So yeah, there, there we go. He is, uh, he is one of two, three, three players with uh, fewer than 100 career NHL games on this list. So you got rid of one of the three players God damn it. Yeah. Congrats. Yay.
fuck that guy. All right, per Gustafson, how many points did you get with Ottawa in that year? I, I think he points? played. I think he was a defenseman, so it kind he of he was a defenseman. Like, yeah. yeah, like in 1997-98, he played nine games with the Ottawa Senators and got one assist. <laughs> Good on you, bud. He was twenty. He was twenty-seven at the time. Jeez, yeah. when was he drafted? The late eighties? No, he was drafted. Uh... Oh uh, yeah, I forgot. I didn't have his draft year. I think he jumped straight into the league. I think he was drafted so low because of how old he was. Uh, Florida, 11th round, 1994. Okay, yeah, so like two years. He was drafted at 25. Yeah. He got 35 points in 89 games as a defenseman. I mean, that's not bad. That's serviceable. Good Sorry, I'm just... Your... No, it's fine. Posting stuff to the Instagram here. Yeah, I'm checking his hockey DB or his hockey reference right now. He played 22 games in Toronto and got five points. Like his first year in Florida, he got 29 points in 58 games. Like that's good. Yeah. And then, uh, then, then he went to Toronto, and he didn't do great. On I think that was when the Leafs kind of had a lull in between the, uh, like the Clark and Gilmore team, and then the uh, the Sundin Cujo teams of the late nineties. Yeah, sounds about right. Because yeah, he was on pace for forty-one points with Florida. Yeah, it, it it seemed like uh, he was going to do all right, and then it was um, not the case. Not the very, case. Very much not the case. All right. Well, glad we got one of those out of the way quickly. Maybe next time I'll be able to get to a little more recent. I've had two players that are in their fifties now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you will, uh, the, the next couple ones, hopefully just cross your fingers that you get uh, somebody that's a little bit more, uh, a little more recent. Because any of the recent, anything past like the 2005 lockout, I got it. Like I am very confident I'll be able to get it. Anything before, not a chance, not a chance. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> I am uh, both excited and not at all about this. Well, yeah. Um, so I guess looking to wrap stuff up now. Uh, what have you been uh, watching, listening to, doing? I, I know that you're at work, so you don't have quite as much time for uh, entertainment stuff. But uh, what have you been doing in your off time? Did you notice that Netflix added a bunch of Studio Ghibli movies? Oh, I Ghibli? sure did. Yeah, I've been watching those too. Like I... They're they're not for everybody, but like holy smokes, I'm so excited about it. I a few weeks ago I was watching some from uh, uh, totally legitimate sources that I have on my external hard drive, and uh, yeah. the yeah those those versions are from like 2008 or 2009. So the the um, quality yeah the, it's like the standard definition TV, and it's it's not super great really pixelated and blocky and then going and watching it on netflix it's it's awesome Got a yeah, lot of I, so I, I recommend just for everybody just check them out um again they're, they're not for everybody but uh, they're really really good movies my personal favorite is princess mononoke oh yeah no i i'd say that that one's probably right up there maybe howl's moving castle too 
That was, yeah. that was the first one I watched. I'd suggest um, Howl's Moving Castle, uh, Spirited Away, Princess Yeah, Mon- absolutely. Or Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Um, That's another. That one's a lot older, though. That, so that, that one, one, well, that one is around the same time as, um, as Princess Mononoke, but... Well, Princess Mononoke was in 94, I think, and then Nausicaa and the Valley of the Winds was in the 80s. Yeah, I, um, maybe the English version for Princess Mononoke was in the 90s, because I thought it was like an 89 movie. You could be right. But, like, so, fun fact, I am the only one in the family that actively and continually watches anime. Like I, I recently bought Crunchyroll and I've been, I watched all of One Punch Man and I caught up on My Hero Academia. I caught up on Attack on Titan and I'm currently taking the huge venture of catching up on One Piece, which is over 700 episodes. Oof. Oh yeah. Oof. It's been going on since I was a kid and it's still going. So I... I am a huge anime nerd, or not a huge one. That is a lie. I am getting into a very mainstream anime nerd, and I have been really, really enjoying that. But uh, Alex and I have also started rewatching South Park. We're back on season 18, which is great. That's a great season. It's the first one where they actually have some kind of continuity just for shits and giggles, and it's awesome. And, of course, I've been watching, trying to finish up Final Space on Netflix as well. But that's that's about it. I haven't been listening to anything different or new. I'm still looking for new music. So if you have any alternative rock or, or metalcore music that you think that I would like, hit me up and let me know. I'm always taking suggestions. Um, what about you? Anything else? Yeah, for me, like yeah, like I said, the Studio Ghibli movies on uh, Netflix, for sure. Go check those out. Just trying to pull up my list of stuff here. Um, just before we recorded, I actually listened to uh, the first episode of the Common Sense podcast with uh, Graham Nichols and Haley Salvian. Um, I always read her last name as Salivan, so it's I have to pause before uh, saying her last name. But yeah, it, it was good. Um, I highly recommend it to any Senators fans that are listening. They're they they're both writers for the Athletic, and their first. Um, their first episode was like right after the draft lottery and they talked to uh, Scott Wheeler, the athletics uh, resident um, prospect guru uh, to kind of get an idea of what sort of players the senators would be looking at with those uh, third and fifth overall picks. Um, and they also have a second episode out that just came out this weekend. So I'd recommend that one as well. I haven't listened to it yet, but I imagine it's uh, just as good as the first one, if not better. Yeah. And Haley. Uh, sorry, Haley Salvian did a Salvian, right? Yeah, I, I always I always read it as Salvain. I mix up. Okay, the a the uh, yeah. I, honestly, I'm not sure. Um, I guess we'll have to have her on the pod, and we'll we'll ask her. Well, I mean, she did answer one of my questions in one of her articles, so I'm pretty yeah. happy about that. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, I am now in the, I am totally in the process of becoming an athletic article because my question was good enough for one of their one of their writers to answer. Yeah. So clearly I'm writer potential. Exactly. Also, Nasca in the Valley of the Wind came out in 84. Princess Mononoke came out in 97. Really? Yeah. Couldn't They're that far apart. I thought for sure that they were closer than that. All right. No, 13 year difference. No, wow. Princess Mononoke is as old as I am. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I know. I wasn't thinking it, would, it was that far apart, but yeah. Nasca in the Valley of the Wind was one of the first uh, Studio Ghibli's ever produced. Yeah, I knew that. 
Studio Ghibli movies. Is it Ghibli or Ghibli? No idea. No idea? I, I just cool. uh, go back and forth between the two of them, just to be safe. Yeah. Because, I mean, Castle in the Sky was around in the 80s as well. Same with My Neighbor Totoro. Uh, Porco Rosso was the early 90s. Actually, Nasca in the Valley of the Winds, I'm just looking through the list, may actually have been the first one. No, it... Uh, well, maybe for Studio Ghibli it was, but I know for Miyazaki it it, it wasn't. Was, it wasn't. No, it was. Um, it was a different one. It, it had a weird title, but I can't remember what it is right now. Yeah. But with that, I think we're done and we're out of here. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, my uh, recording space is heating up here. I had to turn the AC off in order to record, so I'm, I'm starting to uh, starting to cook a bit, and I've got a eat something and take the dog out for a walk too. So um, yeah. And I still got to unpack everything as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Oh, well, I'll, I'll leave yes. the, uh, the outro stuff to you this time. Cause I'm still working on some of this Instagram stuff as we're <laughs> no worries. Well, uh, first I'm going to say Nasca in the Valley of the wind was the very first studio Ghibli movie ever released. And it was by Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah, all of them are pretty much. Well, one or two of them are by uh, Aisawa. It was uh, Takahata, who okay. is just another guy. He, he did some of the lesser known ones like Grave of the Fireflies, uh, Only Yesterday, Pompoko, and My Neighbor is Yamadas. Oh, My but, Neighbor the Yamadas, yeah. Yeah, I don't really know those ones, but anyway. So with that... As always, please follow the podcast on Hockey and Twitter at Little Hockey Pod. Follow Jordan on Twitter at jsmall1771. Follow me on Twitter at little underscore little28. Subscribe to the show on whatever you listen to. Rate and review us, and we'll read your review on the show just to be nice. And don't forget to follow, unfollow, and refollow us just because it shoots up our, our uh, podcast in the algorithms. And with yeah. all that, thanks, everyone, for listening as always, and we'll see you in about two weeks. Yeah, and uh, one last thing, um, just uh, if you want to play along with the double agent game, you can go ahead to our um, Instagram and uh, just for, for the next episode, as we're recording, I'm uploading all of the uh, the clues that I'm giving Keegan. So make sure that you're following along and you can actually play with Keegan. And uh, if you if you guess before, if you guess the right player before he does, then we'll uh, give you a shout out on the next uh, episode. And if, if anyone you, get, yeah, if anybody guessed today's player before I told Keegan who it was, um, let me know, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get you on an episode, and we'll uh, we'll get you to go head to head against Keegan. Because obviously you have more knowledge than I do. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and with that, I think we're done. Yeah. Catch you later, everybody. What a finish!